Welcome back to Opportunity Knocks, the podcast all about the business journey. I am your host at the official Dean Miller, I think is yet another handle we may be adding to the to the arsenal soon. But my name is Dean Miller. I am your host. We are here in our beautiful piecemeal studios here in Wantaw on Long Island. And we just did some numbers and realized that today's guest is actually our fourth out-of-towner who came into the studio and the third one from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to one of the partners and VP of the Educated Wealth, Wealth Center, a good friend of mine who I met through the one Wonderful world of Gary Vaynerchuk and his 4Ds program. Yeah. So we got back-to-back 4Ds alumni with us, which is a great thing. Yeah. This is my good friend, Michael Convery. Michael, thank you so much for coming in and doing this with yes, us today. Thank you so much for having me, Dean. It's good to be here. It's yeah. full circle now. Gary V. And now I'm finally on the podcast, so <laughs> it's definitely going to be a good one. I'm yeah, excited. Looking forward to it. So let, let's start real quick. What brings you to town? Well, I'm here for more work. So a little bit of work, a little bit of pleasure. Going to be visiting my sister. On Saturday, um, came in for this podcast, going up to I think a part of the Hamptons. I'm not really. Yeah, you sure. mentioned you mentioned Greenport, right? Yeah, I think which that's is technically part of the on the North Fork. So if you look south, you'll see Shelter Island and then the Hamptons. Yeah, so going yeah. up there for a miniature uh, messaging mastermind and uh, mindfulness. So yoga on the beach, trying nice. to get my zen. There you go. <laughs> trying to get my zen under control now, because you like you know. With all the work that's constantly going on, it's very hard to sometimes slow well, down. You've got, you've definitely got that wild man personality that's just ingrained in you. From the minute I met you, you've always been a high energy, boisterous personality, not afraid to speak your mind, mm-hmm. not afraid to take control of a conversation. And I say that with, with all due respect and appreciation for it. Um, it was one of those things that kind of connected me with you immediately in that room. And if I remember, I, you were sitting to the right of cell. Yeah. And I, I was, was directly right next across door. for it. It's amazing how these little things from two years ago, we remember all the little details, mm-hmm. but you definitely were not afraid to ask your questions, give your input when the door opened for it and, and share your opinions. Uh, and I think that's what makes you good at what you do. Uh, so we were talking briefly, technically your role is head of business development, development and marketing for mm-hmm. the educated wealth center. You are a partner and vice president. And, and give us a little rundown on what the Educated Wealth Center does. Well, we do holistic financial planning for pre and post retirees. So people that are at either at retirement or 5, 10 or 15 years away. Uh, holistic planning aspect is a lot of advisors in the industry really just sell products. We complete financial plans. So we put together financial plans that include tax planning, social security, stocks and bonds, as well as your insurance products. And then we put together, you know, like a piece of a puzzle until it all comes synergistically together. We put that together for people and then we show them where they're going to be able to draw income from throughout their entire retirement. We use a lot of softwares on the back end to project these things. And we do it in a way that makes our clients kind of have some safe, predictable returns so they can hopefully sleep well at night because most financial advisors are just selling one product or another. Nice. So. Who, a question I like to ask a lot of entrepreneurs, who is, do you know, can you define who your ideal client is? Who's your avatar? Yeah, absolutely. Our avatar, I was actually just doing a worksheet on that, yep. actually on the plane on up here. Our ideal client, someone's between the ages of 57 and really 64 years old. Okay. Um, they're thinking about retirement because they're probably five years out and they don't really have a plan. So they have a nest egg, usually about a million dollars stored up but they don't really have any idea what to do with it. They're usually working with a broker and they'll come into our offices with a Merrill Lynch statement and say, here's my financial plan. Well, that's not a plan. That's a brokerage statement. statement, So yeah, yeah, our ideal client, we can get very specific on who they are as well. So a lot of times they are affluent business owners or affluent people from the school district in Palm Beach County. And then they're usually married couples that have grandkids. So very much uh, identify with my father because he has grandkids. So it's crazy how um, our clients kind of look just like my dad a lot of the times. And that would be really our ideal client. Uh, and that's, that's a good lead. And so the company was originally founded by your dad, correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, 30 years ago. Wow. Okay. And how long have you been involved in the company? I have been involved full-time for seven years. Okay. And I have been involved probably part-time about a year before that, not getting So you were paid. like 11 at the time? <laughs> yeah, I wish. I wish. I'm definitely not that young, but I'll take it. I'll take it anytime I can get it. But 
I was probably about, oh, where do we got to do some math off do the some top math. of my head? I say, I would say, I don't like to do that much math because then I got to yeah. take my shoes off the count past 10. Yeah, I was probably about 24. I had worked for a company. I actually saw driving around, around um, I believe you pronounce it Wanta or yeah. Wanta. Yep. So I was just driving around and I saw one of the signs uh, for the company I worked for prior, Vivint Home Automation, the okay. little orange signs yep. that do security and home automation for people's homes. So I was working for them and I was also working for my dad, helping him with his live events, helping him with, you know, different types of things, but really never working full time and never working for any amount of money. And then from there, I eventually transitioned to working full time for him. So let's go down the entrepreneur path a little bit. What, what led you, was this a field that you wanted to get into? Did you want to be in what we'll refer to as a family business being that your dad started it and you're kind of, kind of taking more and more of the, the lead role with it now? Yeah, not at all. Definitely didn't think I would work with my dad. I worked for Aflac for about a year. I was one of their top young agents coming from Vivint and I have to give credit where credit's due. I was at an event called the World Series of Sales. It's a very large financial conference in the industry. We were there in 2012 and it was just, you know, fun and games. You know, we went to some, I think it was a Clippers game back in the day. So 2012, just fun and games. 2013, I had been working for Aflac and I came back to the event and we were seated on the 50 yard line at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, just uh, having dinner, getting private concerts, you know, getting recruited like a lot of financial right. people do. And a gentleman by the name of Alan Becker said to me, if you're doing good at Aflac, you need to quit. You can make more money doing this. So it's a very much a money decision right then and there. Okay. And I never thought I'd work with my dad because he's a very hard driver. But I told him, hey, I quit my job. I'm coming to work for you. And he said, I'll pay you what you're worth. And at the time, I was like, well, what's that? He's like, nothing. <laughs> so I worked for free for about six to eight months. And then Were you, were you living at home at the time? Yes. Okay. So worked for free for about six to eight months, then transitioned into getting paid, moved on out. Still got paid barely nothing, but over time, things have changed. Give me some, give me some valuable, and I, granted, it's a family business. You got, you got that there to back you up in case of a drastic emergency, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But give me some insight into that first couple months as to where your head was at. Because I, I, you know, we talk about entrepreneurs in the business journey all the time. And, yep. you know, coming from the Gary V world that we were both exposed to, we hear about the recommendation for people who are starting out to work for free. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately not enough people are doing that now. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, too many people feel they're worth a hell of a lot more than they really are in, yeah. in that moment. Uh, but give me a little insight as to the state of mind, what you were doing, what your state of mind was, what dad's state of mind may have been at the time as well. If you can, if you can dive into that a little bit. Well, I've had a few businesses prior, you know, that I dabbled in failed businesses. And then I had my sales roles and I did really good and excelled at those. So my initial thought was I'll come in alongside you being that I've seen a lot of advisors in the industry have their sons or their best friend be a partner in the company. Usually the route is they're both advisors. So I thought I would become a financial advisor and just jump on in and make a lot of money. And the advisor is kind of that mid-level and higher type person. They're, they're kind of maybe not the king of the hill, but they definitely have some, have some rank in Absolutely. those kind of organizations. Absolutely. They're usually the ones that are looked at as the king of the corporation. Okay. I mean, no one really cares about the other aspects until you kind of prove yourself. So I jumped in with no knowledge, just sales skills and the fact that I wanted to be in business for a long time. Didn't think it would be with him, but when I jumped on in, we uh, were very fortunate that first year when I took over, we doubled the business immediately. So had rapid growth right off the bat and then pretty much consistently grew year over year after that. So I just jumped in really without much thought to it. Just I can make a lot of money and uh, so, I don't want to work for Aflac. So you have, aside from your God-given natural sales ability. Mm -hmm. And and I'm I'm not one of those people who looks at salesperson as a negative word. I believe salespeople would, would have driven the state of our country. I mean, listen, Columbus was yeah. a great salesperson to get himself over here. Mm -hmm. and, and all the founding fathers were the salespeople to encourage an entire nation to rebel. Yeah. Um, it, it's part of ingrained in who we are yeah, as, as long as you do it with integrity. And that and that's exactly it. You come from a position, you come from a position of, of integrity, uh, of kindness, a position of giving and doing things for the, you know, to use the simple line, doing the right thing is always the right thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes that means loading up a musket rifle and shooting at the shooting at the, across the pond at the British. Absolutely. Um, 
So you have, you have uh, a natural salesperson ability. Yes. Yes. Um, I would say. And, and I, for, as someone who's been doing, who's been in some type of sales world my whole life, I, I think we all are from the time we're children, but I, I've embraced it for the better part of my, of my life and career. Um, I, I truly appreciate that. And I think that's part of why we connected is we had that open mindedness to say, it's like I said, with sell the other day, I'm unemployable. Now, the only person I, the only person I could work for is the biggest jackass boss in the world. And he's yep. the guy looking back at me every day when I shave and brush my teeth. Yep. I'm uh, the same way. I got to be the king of the yeah. castle. And that has caused a lot of issues, you know, throughout the first couple of years, I would say we had tremendous financial success, but we had a lot of rocky times, uh, relationship wise, a lot of family, family dinners where I've left, walked out, you know, stayed away from family dinners just because we're both very similar, me and my dad, and we both have our kind of ideals and the things we want to do. So we definitely butted heads, even though we were making very significant amounts of income throughout it. Was it his idea to bring you on board or was it your request to come on board? Not even a request. I just said, I quit my job. I'm coming to work for you. And then he said, I'll pay you what you're worth. And I'm like, what's that? It's he's like, good, nothing. It's a pretty so good trade off. He's well, like, show me what you can do. And then within the first year, we doubled the revenue from about a half a million to a million dollars. Just me taking over the marketing. I did have a marketing background from okay. college. So immediately we were able to double the revenue and then he's like, okay, I'll pay you something. And then I moved out and we just continued to run from there. So I know you went back to something you said, um, got something back to fall on. But a lot of times, even though when you're at this level, it's like you're walking on ice sometimes, even though we're at a very financially, uh, a very financial point where we make a lot of income, you always feel like it can go away tomorrow. Blink of an eye. Yep, yep, absolutely. The operations and systems are crucial because every single day we're running, we're running, we're running, but you never know when it could stop and you never know when someone's going to come at you and try to badmouth you or anything yep. of that nature. 20 years to become an overnight success only to lose it all the next day if anything strange happens. Yep. So it's incredible. The volatility of being an entrepreneur. And I think that's what drives guys like you and me. And, you know, obviously your dad and a lot of the people we talk about who have been influential with us. Um, you know, that, that volatility, that excitement, that, that rush you get when you take that big risk and you say, you know what, I'm going to make a $5,000 purchase right now yep. to have an impact on my company or a $50,000 investment, or I'm not going to take part in that crazy scheme that everyone's raving about, uh, you know, that how to make a million dollars. It's only going to cost you $12.99 a month kind of stuff. Yeah, it's definitely so, a long journey. I'd say been seven years and the first five years was a lot of learning experiences. And in the last two years, we've kind of come into our own as an organization. So it's almost been a 10 year run till we finally started to figure every piece of the business out. Okay. So you meant, you mentioned in the last two years and we met about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Has, 2017. Yeah. 2017. I forget the exact month, but we're September, 2017, the we're, end of September. Then we're right on it. We're, mm -hmm. we're 25 months away from that. You specifically through that date, two years, things have changed. Um, let, let's play fanboys for a few minutes. You know, mm -hmm. we, we both took part in, uh, in Gary V's 4Ds program, sat yeah. down in his office at, in Hudson Yards. Uh, and it was an incredible learning experience for everybody involved. And, mm -hmm. I, and I only say that because I was the fool who actually was there for my second time. Yeah. Because they weren't quite ready to run it all the right way for me in the beginning from what I expected from it. And they were kind enough to bring me back. Was there anything that we talked about, learned, discussed, worked on during that day that kind of was a tipping point for you that said, I'm going to go do something drastic or different or less of it? Yeah. For us, we were already walking into where we're so busy. A lot of the times it's hard to make little changes. Right. So we did take away the content pillar immediately okay. and started to implement that. But I think you've had a lot more success a lot quicker with it because that was a big learning experience, bringing on a videographer, being very new to it. Um, it was hard. We had someone, we lost someone. You noticed our content output has went back to obscene amounts of content, right. but we had to find the right person. So definitely took away the content model and just being more authentic with our story and not being afraid to kind of, you know, step out because we're financial advisors. A lot of people... I'll wear this in the office and it throws people off. I was just thinking off. that exact thing, waiting for my opportunity. I, go yeah, ahead. so I'll throw, I'll throw on stuff like this in the office. My dad has grown out a huge beard. 
not all of our clients like it. Not all of our clients like, like the fact that I'll walk in and, you know, a t-shirt sometimes it's either a full suit or, you know, right. T-shirt and jeans. But the people that identify with us, the authenticity has attracted us that ideal client. That's more like us. So yeah. it's been very much a fun journey. And then stepping out has built a brand recognition where people may not, I mean, we may not do so much digital where we bring them from social media, but people will come to our live events locally. People will come out to our office and they'll be like, Hey, I've seen you on Facebook because mm-hmm. we'll do paid ads against some of our videos. And they'll be like, Hey, I've seen you a lot on Facebook. And it's the same effect we have with our radio show. Sometimes someone listens for seven years. They finally come on into our offices. They're like, I've been listening for three, four five years. Mm-hmm. The same thing will happen with a Facebook video that we may put some paid advertising behind. They'll come in and say, Hey, I saw you on Facebook. I heard your radio show. And then I decided to take the leap and come on and uh, have a discussion. So, and again, this isn't an ageist kind of conversation, but we, we, you, you know very well, clearly who your target audience is. Is Facebook the biggest place for you guys to play in the world of, of lead generation, customer acquisition, absolutely uh, awareness? And, uh, absolutely. And um, our biggest, ironically, as it sounds, is direct mail. If okay. you're constantly tweaking your message, we send a lot of direct mail out, but we change our headlines every single mail piece. We change our bullet points, you know, every month or so. So I know people in this industry that can't get a half a percent response. We'll get one and a quarter, one and a half percent on our mail, but it's a lot of work. So it's something we're constantly working on, but between direct mail and Facebook, that's really where the bulk of our business comes from. Let, let's dive a little bit deeper because I, we, Corey and I sat down with one of, with one of my business advisors earlier today, a uh, guy by the name of Dean Mercado, who was another guest here. And we were talking about the messaging and the medium, all those, all mm-hmm. those kind of uh, different options. Uh, and I actually just relaunched a test campaign for direct mail through some AI information that we got off the internet. And mm-hmm. we, we've dabbled with MLS stats and we've targeted about 275 specific homes here in, in Wanta itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hometown. Uh, and, and we got, you know, 275 and I got three responses within two days of us dropping it in the mail. Yeah. Um, direct mail is definitely not dead. Oh, I hate when people uh, say direct mail is dead. I just say you're not a marketer and you right. probably haven't sent any mail. I think that shotgun method of direct mail marketing that worked 30 plus years ago mm-hmm. is dead. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be intelligent. And I, I was very careful to listen to the words you said. You change your headlines very often. Mm-hmm. You change the bullet points. Are you changing the meaning of the piece? The messaging, not so much. It depends. We run multiple messages. So we do a lot of social security planning because it goes right into our holistic financial planning approach. Okay. And with social security, we know exactly who to mail. Right. 59 to 66. And then it's just nailing that message to that person. So we know that when we go over a million dollars in income producing assets, that person doesn't care as much about social security. So then it's going below that income producing asset to get the person between 250,000 to a million because they really want to maximize their social security. So it's just like you said, you got to be very smart with it and it will work. Yeah. But if you just send out a bunch of mail to everybody with the same message, it will never work right. or you'll get, you know, a quarter percent response. And say spend that, $6, that's why those response rates to, st- statistically those response rates are so low mm-hmm. because so many people do that. Just ble- there's a thousand addresses in the neighborhood. I'm going to send a thousand pieces. Yep. Um, we actually had a conversation with another friend of mine, realtor from North Jersey, woman by the name of Anita Tarapur uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we, uh, she did a, a mini podcast with us and we would, we talked a lot at a conference we were up at in Boston a few weeks ago and, and got into that whole, whole thing. Like, I've got a budget to afford 10,000 pieces mm-hmm. for argument's sake. Do I send 10,000, even if they're well-targeted pieces, do I send all 10,000 out once or do I narrow my market down to 1,000, the best 1,000 that possibly in there and send them 10 different pieces yeah. to deepen that relationship as opposed to going wide. Again, another, another line we hear all too often. If you're, if you come from the Gary V world, go deep, not wide. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you got to go deep. We do even mailers that will be little treasure chests. So yep. I can send you one when I get back to my Bumpy office. Mail. We've sent literally treasure chests yep. to people, specifically business owners. When we've wanted to create new messages, we just did our first event in West Palm Beach that was 
specifically for West Palm Beach business owners. We mailed 275 people and we got 40 people to respond to our event. And it didn't turn out as successful as we'd like because it was our first event, you know, figuring out the kinks. And it's our first time we've done something of this nature. But the response rate was there. You get and 17, the messaging 18%, was perfect. You get 17, 18% of an audience to show up is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Good. So, and that, that all comes as a result of you really knowing the demographics, the ecographics, the psychographics of your audience. Yep, absolutely. The client avatar, you know, it's just a different client avatar. We decided to target some business owners in the area because we're business owners, you know, like minds think alike. So we figured, let's see how it is to work with these kind of people. We're able to get the response, but we realized that business owners aren't the easiest to work with yeah. on the financial planning end because they're usually, until they're retiring, dumping their money back into their business. So a little bit more difficult of a client. All too many of us tend to be technicians or in some cases worse, we tend to be the guys who just keep reinvesting and not planning financially on how to eventually get out of it. Sometimes the only way out of it, you know, is, is, is a coffin, but you know, how do you position your, how do you position your family to go on and become successful once, you know, once you are gone? Yep, absolutely. Right now we're going through that transition. It's funny you bring that up. We're currently creating a succession plan to where we'll have multiple advisors doing the same thing because we are fortunate that we have too many leads, too many people that want to see us and not enough advisors to service them. So we're actually starting to go through the process since I run the business side of me running a team of advisors that when my dad wants to go away for two, three months, go away for two, three months. So we're trying to consistently work towards that. Cause that's a problem everybody has. Let's lead into that. So now as a result of your work over the seven years, you've helped the company grow. Mm-hmm. You've, you've earned a percentage ownership of the company now. Yeah. So you are, we, we can officially say it is quote unquote family business cause yeah. you and dad are one in one and one a mm-hmm. in that operation. Um, let's talk about, and, and I'm only going to go as far as you're willing to let me cause I'll you mentioned a couple of things, you go. but let's talk about, the wonderful world of being an entrepreneur in a family-owned business. I will say first and foremost, radical transparency and radical candor is a must because I've gone through multiple years, the first couple of years, where being that I was working with my father, I maybe didn't want to say certain things to him. And it only caused deep resentment between me and him. Between so, you and him or, or more me to him. Okay. <laughs> more me to and, him. And I, yeah. I like to hear that clarity because usually that's the way it is when from, from child to parent. Yeah. So radical transparency, when people hang around us, he calls my brother, Jonah, the savory child. He's like, Jonah helps me savor my <laughs> life and enjoy it. You help me make a lot of money, but our relationship is very different. Me and his than my brother and his, because my brother and him have that father son relationship right? where me and him really have that partnership relationship yeah. and our conversations sometimes will take people back where they look at us like your son speaks to you that way. And unfortunately, you know, I have to hold them accountable. I have to bring things to the table Young, sometimes and we have brother? to disagree. Yes. Younger, much younger. Was that and again, I'm going down a path, kick me under the table. Just tell me to shut the F up. I already know where you're going with this one. Did you guys grow up that way? I grew up where my dad was a workaholic. So he worked, you know, one time my mom called and said, I'm going to shave your son's head. You need to come back from work. He's like, or it was shave your son's head or I'm going to beat him up or something of that nature. And he's like, (laughs) shave his head. I'll see you later. So my dad was very much, you know, his work ethic rubbed off on me. Mm -hmm. And then I would say he had, we and him talk about this all the time. I would say he had more success later on his career. And by the time I was already 16 and had that work ethic, my brother was still growing up. So his work ethic is very much not like mine because he always saw dad at home. Right. When, you know, the crisis was happening, 2008, saw my dad being in his home office. So a lot of home time. Right. Where I didn't experience it that much. I mean, he would come to games and things that he can make it to, but my dad worked. He likes to make the joke, uh. He is a cyborg and that's really how he works. And in the office, we call him the honey badger. So okay. I don't know if you've ever that seen the YouTube doesn't video. Ever let go. Exactly. Yeah. The honey badger don't give a damn. Yeah. So that's my dad at the end of the day. That's great. I yet another reason why I think we connected very similar. I had a, I had a younger brother and I remember dad was always a great provider for us. You know, we were, uh, I, w- I was a fat kid growing up, so I never, mm-hmm. I never missed a meal, but I, I knew there were those days I, I've learned since 
that there were those days where we weren't never worried about where the next meal was coming from, but yeah. we weren't as comfortable as we were led to believe we were growing up. Um, and, and having the younger brother who saw things differently, we have a lot in common when it comes to that. I remember dad going to work and saying, I, I may not see him for three or four days because you know, he seventies and eighties in the financial world and the banking business, there was a lot, there was a lot of after five o'clock dinners and scotches. And mm-hmm. I don't say that he was out partying like a rock star. Dad, Dad, one thing dad and I have in common, we both were, were obsessed and passionate about what we did. Yeah. So it never feels like work. Never. You know, I love never. it. Now, if my father were to walk into the office today to come meet me here in my place of business, he'd probably have at least a jacket, you know, a, a collared shirt and a jacket on, if mm-hmm. not the whole suit. And here I am sitting here in, in, a, in a fading t-shirt and sneakers. And the jeans are brand new, about a month old, because I ripped all the other ones because they were about nine or 10 years old before. But he'd be mortified to see me like this, you uh, know, in, in a work environment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My dad's It's that old school similar. mentality. Yeah. Very so I'm, similar. I'm guessing your dad's in his, in his late 60s, give um, or take a little bit. 57. Okay. Right around 57. I'm, I don't know the math right off my yeah, head. So he's got, all right. So my dad's got about 20 years, 20 years on yeah, him. But, but he's very laid back. Yeah. So I'm the fancy one in the family. Uh, outside of work, he's very much, you know, khakis and a t-shirt okay. probably with a hole in it. You know, he's just very <laughs> humble. So yeah. he does not care to, you know, impress anyone. That's but great. when he's in the office, he's in the suit. Good for, hey, listen, if it works, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. Absolutely. Terrific. So, all right. So we, we've gone down the path of the family business. Uh, and the family and nobody else is involved. It's you and you, you and no, dad. That are, was a big the stipulation yeah. of uh, me working in the family bill, family business or being his partner. The stipulation was one. I fired my mother. Okay. <laughs> so uh, that had to happen or I was ready to walk out because she's uh she's spicy at the end of the day. Okay. She can't see people, you know, maybe disrespect us in a live setting or maybe try if it's perceived as taking advantage of, she's going to let them know. So doesn't belong in a service business, you know, she's a mom. Yeah. So yeah. she'd had to be removed. My sister wanted to get into the business. Once she saw the success we started to have that got shut down. My brother wants nothing to do with the business because he won't cut his hair. So, okay. Hey, so yeah, just me and him. Terrific. Well, and, and I will refer to it as a partnership from here on out. I promise you, I will do my best not to. It doesn't matter to me. I'll so, always get the people yeah. that say you started with your dad, just like Gary still gets people that yeah. says, if it wasn't for wine library, you wouldn't be anything. Yeah. The naysayers will find something to nitpick and hate and on. You know what? God bless them. I hope, I wish you had something better to do at your time than bust my balls, but that's, yep. that's a conversation for another time. Absolutely. So we touched on, we touched on the surface of the company. We touched a little bit on, your entrepreneurial journey, how you got into the business. We touched on a little bit about your advertising. Let's, and again, I say this with all love and respect. You're quite the character in your social media feeds. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm trying to be more authentic, more polarizing, trying to finally go down the direction of sharing my story. I kind go. of went all over the place. Uh, you, you stole one of my next questions is, is, was going to be, let's talk about what the story is that you're trying to put out there. And by story, I don't mean some made up fantasy, but what is the story of your life that you're trying to express to the world out there? Who's willing to pay attention to you? Uh, because ultimately that's the reason we do it is for attention yeah. and to build business and to bring value. Yeah. Um, but what's the sto- what's the story behind that? What drives that person to be that crazy authentic you? And tell people who That's, who have never seen you yeah. because let's face it, neither one of us has a massive audience, so there's a good chance mm-hmm. neither of either of our followers know who the other one is. Yeah, uh, tell people what what is it? Because I've seen you between the Snapchat glasses and 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 your stuff. On, yeah, I saw you walking in with them. I love it. The Snapchat goggles your Instagram feed, your Facebook stuff. Um, tell us about where you are, what you do, what that story is, who that person is. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely trying to craft the story and the messaging now. Like really, how do I want to present myself to the world? Right. I'm starting to put a lot of deep thought into it. Now that I've got more free time later down the years of our company, I'm starting to buy back some of my time now and really think that through. But a lot of it is just, you know, fun for a period of time where I just like, you know, posting, enjoying making content something I really like to do, but now it's really, what is the message? What do I want to present to the world? Cause like you said, it's been all over the place, but I think I probably have a lot more to say. So I think going forward, you're going to see a lot of me probably trying to help people that are, you know, smaller businesses than us, where I want to help them 
create leads for their company or be higher performers because I've been fortunate to sit under what my dad has said for a long time. I've been under the shade or I've been sitting under the trees that have been planted. Or I've been sitting under shade trees that have been planted long before yeah. me. So I've been fortunate to be the Gary V events. I have a personal coach right now. That's the author of the 12 week year. Okay. That is my executive coach and make sure I execute at an extremely high level. So now that I have, you know, a lot of this knowledge stored up, I kind of want to share it with people and start to put them in the right direction and see how much I can help them perform higher, help them with the operations in their business or help them solve a problem that a lot of people have, which is leads. Cause everybody wants more leads. I might start working specifically with financial advisors to help solve that problem. But, um, really just want to see people live to their full potential because I'm authentic. I'm not afraid to put myself out there. And I'm also someone that wants to pretty much get the best out of myself. And I like to see my friends, my family become the best versions of themselves too, if I can help them anyway. It's, it's funny. Years ago when I first set up my, my Twitter account, which I've, if I have nine followers, it's a lot, but I set it up and mm -hmm. I looked at it and I said, all right, what's my bio? And at the point in my life, I said, okay, it's real simple. I want to learn to become a good leader. The only way I could achieve that goal is to help create great leaders. Yeah. There was some arrogance to it, but it was really came from the heart. It's who I am. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm not a spotlight person. Yeah. Like I've said many times doing, doing this and being in front of a camera and having people come in and ask for my time, you know, mm -hmm. I want to do your podcast. Why the hell do you want to do mine? Yeah. You know, I've never been a guy to look at the spotlight and it's always made me kind of uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, I, we did a speaking gig a couple of weeks ago. I was terrified in front in a room of like 35 people, half of which I probably knew, mm -hmm. but I was standing in front of the room and I was terrified and I used to speak and get paid to do it. Um, but you become a better version of yourself when you challenge yourself. And while everyone says you look so natural, you're comfortable. I hear all that BS that I don't believe. It's totally not true it, usually, it, but it, it really has been such a fun process and journey. Like I talk about the process and the journey of doing this mm -hmm. and I see evolution within myself in the few months that when I say months, like maybe three that we've been doing this. Well, that's um, phenomenal. Cause it took me seven years to be able to do this. Our radio show that we've been doing since 2013, um, was probably about 15 unaired episodes that I walked off set. I said, I don't, I don't sound educated. I'm not good enough at this. I'm not a good public speaker. Why would anyone listen to our show? Yep. I went through all the trials and tribulations on radio to now our clients come in and they're like, you're phenomenal. We love hearing you on the radio. You sound like you've been doing this for years. And when people call in from our radio show to our local phone number, they'll say, Hey, you sound like you've been doing this for so long. You're the guy from the yep. radio. And five, seven years ago, our clients would be like, your son really needs to put in some work to this radio. <laughs> so it has been a long journey to get there. So and three months, that's very impressive. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it. And it's, you know, I, I come from the position of, I want to, I want to make a difference for the people who take, take 30 seconds to listen to what we do, take an hour to come to sit down with us, take a hike to get here, uh, to spend time with us. I want to make sure that we, we leave you guys in a better place with value, whether that value just be exposing you and what you do to our audience or, or bringing some insight or just kind of pick, like I said, well, before we started, I really don't like to know too much more about anybody who's sitting across the desk from me mm -hmm. than I already know. Um, the goal is for me to learn something. Yep, absolutely. That's uh, where I'm at right now in my life. I want to provide as much value anywhere I am. So if I'm around, you know, younger entrepreneurs, yep. they may be able to help me, you know, yoga retreat with mindfulness this upcoming week, but they're like, you got the business side really figured out. Yeah. So I just love pouring on into them and then they pour on into me. So just trying to be the best leader that I can be. Like you said, look across the room. He He's more than half my age and makes me better at what I do every day. We sit across from each other. Yeah. I, I love being around that. It, it's, it's, it's exhilarating to say, Hey, I'm, I get, I'm not afraid to admit I'm pretty smart when it comes to certain things. Mm -hmm. But when I hear a different perspective from someone who lives in that world that we're trying to get the eyeballs from, yeah. it, it's fascinating to watch. And it's, it's, it's very gratifying to yeah. say, Hey, I can help you get where you want to be even if it is just by hiring you today. And yeah. that's the first step in the process, but watch where you're getting me. I mean, I would have never been doing any of this stuff. Yeah. You got to remove the ego because everybody thinks, you know, when they get too big, they think they can't learn anything yeah. from anyone. And I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember the name of it, but it was actually a really good podcast. And the gentleman runs a mastermind 
and his masterminds exclusively ran in a way that's 33% people that are a little below, 33% people that are in mid-tier, 33% of people that are very successful. So everybody removes their egos and can learn from everybody in the room, be it maybe you're just starting out and you have videography skills that you can teach or social media. And maybe another guy in the room has a great business that he could teach you operations. Everybody in the room brings a different value to the room. So it creates a different kind of synergy. That's great. And, And it's funny because when you look at rooms like that, the bottom third doesn't necessarily just learn from the middle third. And vice, it's amazing how those levels jump. Cause I've been, I've been in rooms like that where people have, have scientifically been placed in rooms together to say, if we looked at it in very black and white form, you belong on level one, you belong on level two, yeah. you belong on level three. The, the opportunities to learn and the different scenarios that people walk out of a room with after mm-hmm. a day of doing that are absolutely incredible because the, the CEO is learning from the janitor. Yeah. And the Jan and, and, you know, the, the mid-level guy is teaching something and learning something. And it's why I've always, it's the one reason why I've always enjoyed speaking as terrifying as it is for me is I've always said, I pride myself in the fact that when I was done yeah. and I walked off stage or got off that, that, that bar stool, when I was on a panel, I learned more in that time than mm-hmm. everyone else in the room combined. Yeah. And that's why I love doing it because it teaches me more about me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always good to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I'm going to create a t-shirt in the future. I'm sure this is not new, but I want a nice t-shirt that says seek discomfort. So yeah. put yourself through uncomfortable scenarios and you'll come out with growth. If you stay comfortable every single day of the week, you're never going to learn anything. And um, I don't remember who said it. it was a Navy SEAL. He said, if the answer to the question is yes on all three of these things, you need to go do it. Does this make you uncomfortable? Yes. Is the outcome uncertain or is the outcome uncertain? Yes. And then there's one more that kind of relates to the same thing. And if you say yes to all of them, he's like, you need to go do that because you'll grow and you'll learn a lot on the other end of the spectrum. It's that, it's that blind faith, leap of faith kind of, kind of mindset where if you, you know, if, if you live in a world of comfort, you know, mm-hmm. listen, a goldfish is a goldfish, a shark, whoever, whatever you want to say they're only going to grow as big as the environment you let them be in. If yeah. we limit ourselves. So when we, when we started in this space, we've only been here a couple months, but I had an identical size office on the other side of this wall. And then this one and the one right next to it with the door in between them became available. And I said, let's do it. Yeah. And um, about four weeks ago, my original space became available. So yep. I've tripled in square footage inside of three months. That's maybe awesome. Maybe four months. We've done a similar scenario this year. We, and today, doubled our square footage. And now we're looking for triple our square footage. So if you're not growing, I know Tony Robbins likes to say it a lot. If you're not growing at the end of the day, you're just slowly you're dying. dying. That's it. So, I mean, right now it's just the two of us in the office on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but we look at it and say, we can take the studio setup, the green screen, the lights and everything else. And we can create a media center. Yeah. That's um, a great idea. And, and it, I, I think it was you. I saw the, the other, yes. yeah, it was, it was you yes. because I originally said when we bought the equipment, I said, well, what, why am I willing to spend 1500 bucks or whatever it was to buy mm-hmm. the equipment? I said, if we can make, if we can get equipment that's simple enough that someone could walk in, yep. turn it on, hit the record button and go and yep. not have to really do anything overly technical. Look at the opportunity we can create. People mm-hmm. can come in and use our space to create their own podcast. Yep. And I've had several inquiries. No one's actually taken us up on it yet. That is exactly that's what, what I, I want to do. And that's why we took the other space because that has one way in and one way out mm-hmm. as opposed to in here where you've got the three doors. Yeah, that's Gary uh, V101. He, everybody always questions, yeah. why does he spend time with people below him? You don't know who you're spending time with until that person becomes someone big. So if I can and, in any way, shape or form, we just did it for the first time. One of my dad's friends, he's around my age. He has a podcast and he's just trying to figure it out. I'm like, come on into our office. We will shoot the podcast yeah. for you. We will edit the podcast for you. You will watch my editor do it and we will show you we'll our you blueprint. Yeah, we'll show you our blueprint. Yeah. I was like, right now we're small, so you can't use our studio. But if we move up to another office and we have a bigger studio, I'm probably going to open it up to say, hey, we have our open room. Whoever wants to use it can use it. Just you just need to... Yep. Just book the time and yeah. you don't get my Ruben. <laughs> He's not going to edit right. for free for you, right? but, but we'll, you get everything else. We'll, we'll teach you, we'll teach you how to fish. You know, we'll give you, we'll give you the opportunity to eat the first mm-hmm. time you come in. 
But while you're there, you need to learn how to fish. Yeah. You know, and then while who you, knows? While you're eating. Who knows? I could help the next uh, big uh, listen, guy in my county. I, I, will, put, I will put it out there that if anybody knows Michael Convery here on Long Island and is interested in joining up and starting a podcast or anything along those lines, put it out there and let them know and vice versa. Because I've got people down in Florida. Um, like I said, I had three guests from Florida. One's down in Lauderdale. Um, Beautiful place. Beautiful uh, yeah, place. He, he's in the real estate world, works for, uh, has, has a big team with Compass Real Estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my dear high school friend, Doug McGurk, who is in uh, uh, mental health and addiction support groups. And Corey, who was the third one from Florida? Because now, it, oh, you. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I'm number three. Right, and you have right. some roots in Florida. So mom, you definitely have some people yeah, you know mom's, there. Mom and dad have had a place down there for years, going back to when I was uh, uh, later in my grade school years, probably 10, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. They had a tiny little place down in Royal Palm Beach in a, in a development that became a retirement community about three hours after they closed on it. No surprise uh, there. Yeah. But mom, mom and dad moved up to Jupiter years later. Uh, and my mom spends, uh, you know, the better part of the winter. She'll typically go down the day after Christmas and come back, depending on the calendar, a um, little bit after Easter. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think she's also at the point where she loves it so much when she's down there that she's probably going to start spending more than six months a year, which is good for her. You know, yeah, she, I don't blame her. I got cold the second I got off the plane yeah, today. Yeah. And I, I love it because we get, you know, we get to go down and visit her and get out of the cold, but she, she's in such a different mental state when she's down there because just because of the environment, you know, and it, yep. it, there's a lot to be said for it. You know, it's dark here right now at five 30 and we're yeah. changing the clocks. In a lot a more aggressive, a lot more aggressive. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, I was going to say hostile at times, hostile. but aggressive is, is the ideal word. Yes. Uh, it's, it definitely takes a different kind of person yeah. to deal with this traffic. We lack, we lack patience here because of the fact that we're more and more, you know, we're overpopulated here on Long Island. It's getting tighter and tighter and yep. costs are getting higher and higher. And eventually something's got to give, but that's, well, a, I know people are moving out of uh, New York as fast as they can right now. It's but, one of the States people are trying to move out yeah, quicker and quicker, yeah. but, but more and more, you know, to go down the real estate conversation, they're moving out. Those houses aren't staying vacant. Someone else is buying them. Yep. So we have, we have an ever evolving uh, community here on Long Island and no matter who they are, where they're from, it, it's amazing. The, the evolution. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's beautiful. I this love this town. This I got the chance to, be, to drive around yeah. for a few minutes and yeah. the houses, you don't get that in uh, West Palm no. beach. It's definitely a different kind of environment. A it's a design. very different look. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I yeah, loved it. I was driving around the streets and I was like, Houses are very, uh, oh, the best word would be quaint, very That's quaint cool. and homey. Yeah. It's one, it's one way to put it for sure. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of redevelopment going on and people tearing houses down and it changes the look and feel of a community, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's fitting a need. You know, I, I drive here, my off, my house is all of about four minutes away from, from the office here. Uh, and I drove past one, two, three, two teardowns and a reconstruction job. And that's been going on for the three years that I've lived, three plus years I've lived here, going on nonstop. You know, people want what they want. And eventually what's built, they don't want. So they knock it down and start over again. You know, look yeah. at Florida. I mean, I, you, you go through a lot of these housing developments down in Florida where over the years they had zoning restrictions. You can only build so big on a lot. And now yeah. people are buying up two and three lots and building mm-hmm. these monstrosities. Yeah. Um, I see it around my mom down in Jupiter all the time where you, you go down one year later and you're like, wait, there used to be three houses there and holy crap, what the hell are they putting up? And you come yeah. back the next year. It's like the Taj Mahal. Yeah. Everybody wants to live in Jupiter. Jupiter's a very nice pace of life and that's a beautiful place. It's, so it really, it, yeah, it is. It's there's, there's, there's no traffic there. There's mm-hmm. no, everybody's nice and every one of the stores, they do move way too slow for me. So when I go down for a four or five day vacation, I'm losing my mind because I don't need to, I don't need to get there. I just need to get there before you. That's the New Yorker in me. You know, I I just got to keep moving. Yeah. But yeah, Florida, Florida is a different world. And my wife's been on me for years. She, she wants us out of New York, but I've got a 10 year old now. And I said, well, we're at least putting her through high school. So I bought myself another eight years. We'll see what happens after that. You'll be in Florida. That's exactly how we ended up there. My mother said, I want to move. Where, where's your family? Where are you originally from? Tom's River. So I'm probably going to make the first trips back to my household that I grew up in Okay, since uh, 13 years old. So it's been wow. a long time since I've stepped foot in Tom's River. It's been 16 years since I've been in New Jersey. Wow. So it's going to be uh, 
I'm sure a very uh, unique experience. I'm sure a lot of memories will come back. That yeah, I've I'm probably sure. been avoiding. It, it always it always happens. Some for the better, some for the worse. But you know what? It's an experience. That's the way you got to look at it. Yep, absolutely. So let let's dive back a little bit. Where is where is the future of your business? I mean, you you've got a rock solid company that you're you're a big part of. Yep. Are there any are there any things outside of that? Actually, let me take a step back because you touched on something. Have you ever taken part in any of these why experiments, books, projects? Absolutely. Because I, I heard you going that way, and I figure I want to pull some of that out of Absolutely. you. Before I was ever at Gary V, I was fortunate to spend time with a gentleman by the name of Darren Hardy. Sure. So, uh, you know, more of an OG in the game and the yep. personal branding. So I got time to spend with him. I've spent time with you in the Gary V event. And then as of recently, I've been going through a lot of, you know, the why, the how, but really figuring out, you know, what the next steps are, the messaging. You do the whole Simon Sinek experience? Yep. But with, uh, with my coach, we do the vision. So, you know, okay. it goes back. I run a 12-week year with my coach. He's the author of the 12-week year. Okay. I run 12-week years. I don't talk in quarters anymore. So it's, you know, 12 weeks. And then I go back into planning. But the first exercise he put me through was, where do you want to be 10 years from now so we could start working this backwards and really, you know, have a shot at it? Yeah. No guarantee I'll get there. But he's like, let's, you know, really figure out what you want and why, and then start working backwards. And then we break it down to 12 weeks. So we have so, a very specific execution plan. Can we, can we dive a little bit deeper into that? Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, um, we're about three quarters of the way through our conversation now. I think this is a good place to kind of play in for, for mm -hmm. the rem most of the remainder. Um, I'm trying to remember the name. It was a husband and wife. It was an exercise. Good friend of mine. I had a conversation with him last week, but a guy by the name of Brian Moses. Mm -hmm. uh, and we were talking about, he met the doctor and the husband and they both were, and that was the thing that 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, yep. reverse engineer your whole life. Yeah. yeah um, I don't go 30 years. That's, that's way out there. No, but yeah. I, you got, you got to really figure but, out what you want. But at the time that was, that was kind of the standard for that exercise. Mm -hmm. And, and it really made people think, and, and Tony Robbins has talked about things yep. like this and, and, you know, you, you can't get where you're going without a plan. And if you don't take the time and if you only set a short plan, you could always be off course and you'll mm -hmm. never know. It's like, you know, a journey from New York to London in a sailboat, if you're off by one degree, you could end up, you could end yep. up in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what, what direction are you looking to go with? Where, you know, where do these plans take you? What are you, what are your aspirations? Well, yeah, I mean, 10 years from now, I would like to be as crazy as it sounds, but I'd like to be in the conversation with someone that impacts, maybe not social media following, but I want to be in the conversation with someone like a Darren Hardy or a Gary Vee. I mean, they both have unique talents as the talents mm -hmm. that they bring to the table, but just being in the conversation in the sense that maybe you're not as large as they are social media following wise. A person of influence. though. Yeah. The person of influence, the impact you could have on others. So I spend a lot of time with people that are under the age of 26 since everybody usually thinks I'm about that age. And, you know, I pour into that's them. A good, that's a good problem to have, by the way. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. But I pour into them, you know, my vision and the things that, you know, I use strategically to get further ahead. and when they start to implement it, they start to realize that the things that they maybe are worrying on, maybe spending too much time on is not part of that 10 year goal. So it really centers yourself. So I've been through the exercise and I would like to be in the conversation when I turn about 40 years old with a Darren Hardy or a Gary Vee. I've been around those guys. They're very smart, but I don't think they have any, you know, you're around them. They're just normal guys. There's nothing that they do differently other than share their authentic self and work really hard and be very intentional with what they're doing. Gary talks about it all the time. The clouds in the dirt, mm -hmm. the clouds is your vision at the end of the day, your North star. If you know what you want to achieve 10 years from now, reverse engineer it, get in the dirt and do the work. So that's really where I'd like to be 10 years from now in the conversation of giving back, helping people, creating impact, be it to younger people or be it to people my age, but really just help any which way I can. All right. So put the ask out there. What's it going to take for you to get there? Who, whether it be someone specific or to use the word we opened up with an avatar, mm -hmm. who's going to help you get there? Who do you need to avoid along the way? Yeah. Let, let's, let's do a little psychological business Absolutely. planning here. Well, the biggest thing is I got to avoid, 
I think anyone that doesn't align with my core values, you know, I get business opportunities with a couple of my friends that are more successful than me and I turn them down because our values don't align. So really following what's important to me, my morals, my values, not straying from that. So when I get into a relationship, be it a friendship, be it a partnership, be it a relationship with a young girl or somebody new in my life, if we don't align in the values department very quickly, that relationship's going to end. So anybody that takes me away from my values or any opportunities that take me away from those things are the things I really need to avoid. Because when you have large goals, you got to be very intentional with your time. You got to be intentional with who you spend your time with. And uh, you got to really be intentional with the people that you let give you advice on the outside. Because negativity, I mean, I hate to say it, but when you Gary Vee talks about it. Everybody talks about it. You are the sum of the five people you hang around. Say it all the time. The second you remove some of those people, life gets a lot, a lot better. It's funny that the chirping you hear from the outside forces Mm -hmm. versus the voices you hear in your own head sometimes. It's amazing that we're not all some form of bipolar because we're always listening to so much shit is the only way to put it. Mm -hmm. How'd you come, how'd you come to establish your core values? Is it something that you've just done? Exercises, exercises. Our our first guest ever, uh, Tom Keenan wrote a book Mm -hmm. called unfuck your business. Yep. Uh, And it's fascinating read. And I, I'm a big believer in vision, mission, core Mm -hmm. values for your business, but I never really paid much attention to them for myself. I just lived my life Mm -hmm. until I started working on it for the business. And I said, I can't establish any of them for the business until I establish them for myself personally. Mm -hmm. And they're two very, very different entities. Yeah. So take, take me through. This is where me and Gary V disagree venomously. That's, That's a good thing. So when he says you don't need a coach, you don't need a mentor. That is BS. He doesn't. Yes. Because of his personality. Well, a lot of times he's bold out there and people take as a lot of the Gary V accolades say, oh, coaching's ridiculous. You don't need a coach. Just get out and figure it out. And, you know, not everybody knows how to figure out what's important to them. Not Mm -hmm. everyone knows how to set their core values or even put importance on it. So for me, it's been going through the exercises with the people like Darren Hardy, my current coach right now. And then sitting down and being like, what are the three, four things that you hold most valuable to you? And for me, one of the biggest North stars is freedom. And then you start back working that or reverse yep. engineering. Well, what does freedom look like? And, yep. you know, how does a free man live? So I actually have a thing of standards, a do not do list and a thing I do. So I have a very long list of things that says, these are the things I'll do. These are the things I will never do. And I always refer back to that. So if anything's off that list, it's very easy for me to make a decision because we all have shiny object syndrome. Everybody wants to pop from idea to idea. But when you know kind of who you want to be 10 years from now, you've really went through the exercises. And uh, for me, it's called, I want to be a wealthy man who inspires others. So what is a wealthy man that inspires others even look like? And then mental, spiritual, financial, and physical. I have a list of things I will not accept and I have a list of things I will do. And then I just try to really kind of go back to that whenever I have to make a decision, whenever I'm, you know, trying to think of new business ideas, if I'm going to branch out on my own sometime in the future, always looking at, does it align with the things I want to do and the things I will not do? But it's always those exercises, you know, everybody's got to have a vision. Everybody's got to figure out their core values. And once you figure that out, it makes uh, the journey much more fun. And they're not necessarily set in stone. They're the most important things for the vision that we have. But mm-hmm. along the journey of life, yep. things change that we were not expecting. Absolutely. You know, sometimes you may be looking and the road just as flat, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden you get closer to it and you realize it's a 20,000 foot valley. You got to yeah. climb down and back up. Yeah. Like what's important to me today may not be important right. to me when I have a family and kids. Yep. So it exactly. absolutely is subject to change. I wrote, I wrote. I wrote a, a, a lifetime goals list mm-hmm. and it's got to be 25 years ago. And I still have the list. Yeah. It's, it's torn and tattered and yellow. Half of the thing, uh, about a quarter of the things on the list I achieved mm-hmm. because at the time in my life, I didn't set the standard high enough. Yeah. So they became re- respectable and achievable. Mm-hmm. Quarter of the things on the list I've completely removed from the list yeah. because they're no longer of value to me. Mm-hmm. But I haven't rewritten the list. I leave them there, you know, yeah. and I cross them out lightly so I can see what they were because it reminds me of who I was and what was important to me in the past. Mm-hmm. There's a quarter of the list that I'm actively working on today. 
and another quarter of the list that, you know, I, I'm, I'm officially accepting the fact that I'm on the back half of my life now that I'm, now that I'm 50. Hey, so, 100 is becoming the new 50. So at 40, I said, I reached midlife at 45. I extended it to 45 at 50. I said, listen, if I get to a hundred. It's a good run. Unless something drastically changes, I'm good with another 50 years. Yep. If I get another 150 and I can have an impact on the world, I'll stick around as long as the guy upstairs lets me stick around. I'm good mm-hmm. with that. Uh, as long as I could physically move on my own and I got to take better care of myself to get to that point. But, you know, I, I look at those lists and I, and I've made adjustments to it. I've made changes to some of the things on there. Listen, shooting 80 on the golf, shoot, breaking 80 on the golf course is no longer important to me. I've yeah. played golf in, in, you know, eight, nine years and have no desire to go back at this point in my life. Uh, winning a world series, of poker bracelet or ring is no longer important. To <laughs> that me. one was important to me too, back in the day. It, it was, but what, what really was more important to me was the money I made playing poker mm-hmm. provided me the opportunity to buy my wife, the engagement ring that I felt she deserved. And once yeah. I got that ring, all interest in poker is, I still find it very interesting, but if I've played in two tournaments in the last, you know, we're, we're married, we're married, uh, you know, we we met 18 years ago. We're married just over 12 years now. Yeah. And I, I would honestly say if I've played poker twice in the last 12 years, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I had a, I, I gave myself a purpose for doing it. All other things became unimportant. I achieved yeah. that, uh, that goal. I could have been a much better poker player, but I made a lot of money doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I lost a decent amount too, but at the end of the day, I netted positive and, and yeah. I have that ring to show for every day. So as much as she's happy to have it, I'm happy that, that A, she accepted it and B, that I yeah. was able to provide it, you know? So it became a, a win, win, win for me. Yeah. And that's where those, you know, exercises are so valuable because yeah. had you known when you were younger, this is exactly who I want to be. Yep. Then you would have maybe realized a lot sooner that poker wasn't the path. It's, you know, very interesting when you start to realize who you really want to be seen as in the world. Yeah, it was a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And that's all it was. Yeah. It's and like, it was, I want to be a wealthy fun. man that inspires others. Yeah. And that doesn't restrict me to one business. You know, that's more of a set way of living and a standards because, you know, a wealthy man who inspires others doesn't go out and get drunk every night. Yeah. A wealthy man can but you're not going to be very inspiring right. and I'm you're, not going to take your advice. You may be inspiring people to do the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. Choice of words. Um, yeah. I, I find the word for me that I keep resonating coming back to is fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And that's a very challenging word to define. Yeah. Because it's, it moves, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not very similar to what, what you said in my eyes, you're, you have a more specific target. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's better or worse. It's just the way that I, I'm perceiving it or defining it for myself, not for you. When I hear fulfillment, I kind of think of like an amoeba. It just kind of moves around. It's always got a middle. You're just not exactly sure where it is kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a challenge for me to really define what that is. You know, yeah. as a company, we have a, we, we're on a mission to help 10,000 families with the housing need by yeah, 2028. That doesn't mean I'm looking to do 10,000 real estate transactions. I want to get homeless people off the street. I want to get people into affordable housing mm-hmm. who can be productive members of the community and society. I want to make a difference for people. Um, I have a passion for veterans. I, I want to see every vet have a roof over their head. Yeah. Uh, and while my, while my goal initially was to eliminate the homeless veteran population, mm-hmm. I've been led down a path to realize that there's a bigger picture than just putting a roof over these guys' heads, that a lot of it has to do with mental health. Yeah. And as you may have, you may have noticed Sunday, we're uh, my fan, this, this upcoming Sunday, it'll be in the past when this, when this airs. Uh, but uh, late September on a Sunday, Sunday morning, we're going down to Jones beach and we're doing a walk for the American foundation for suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my brother, my brother took his life 10 and a half years ago and, and helping resolve those mental health issues and finding the causes and cures and, and creating opportunities for people to not make decisions that have such a negative impact, not only on themselves, but the people around them. Yeah. Um, you know, I look, I used to, I used to have a very negative connotation of those things. So I'm going, I'm going yeah, down, it, down a rabbit hole. No, that that's I could definitely do for days. something that's very important, especially in entrepreneurship yeah. and business. People don't talk about their feelings. Everybody thinks you have to be stoic and just be, you know, kind of the strong man at all times. But the truth is entrepreneurship is a very lonely road. Yep. It's very hard to relate to people. I mean, my close friend, my close friend circle, be it, I love them. You know, sometimes we don't relate as well. So it's yeah. really good to get to those events like the Gary Vee events or something like Darren Hardy and get around other like-minded people. It's that not necessarily it. about being around better people. 
just sometimes different is better. Yeah. You know, and, and that's not to knock people at all, because I agree with it. There are, there are times where I'll go to an event where based on my experience in life, I don't mm-hmm. belong in the room. There are other times where based on my lack of experience in life, I don't belong in the room, Yeah, but I go because I like to see that it's where this, so I, I love reading and learning about the Stoics, mm-hmm. uh, Marcus Aurelius and, and all of them. Yep. Um, I find myself that I can think very Stoic-like yeah. very often, and it helps keep me centered. Absolutely. But it doesn't make me that stone-faced, emotionless person. Mm-hmm. It's that mentality lives behind a mask that, that I wear. Yeah, we um, definitely relate in that way. I love yeah. stoicism, but I, I also sharing your feelings sometimes exactly, can be exactly. a big help because, you know, you got to be the person that's the strong man and the leader in the organization, but also everybody has feelings at the yeah. end of the day. And, and, and that's part of the fulfillment. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've always liked to be that person who could write in and help someone solve their own problem. Yep. And, you know, I've, I've, I've mentioned it several times on the podcast and in interviews and conversations. I, I've been tearing apart Donald Miller's book, Building a Story Brand, yeah. where he talks about the guide and the hero. Mm-hmm. And our role as an entrepreneur Especially, and I, I could speak specifically for me, my role in any real estate transaction, whether I'm the agent, the broker, whatever my role is, mm-hmm. is always to be a guide in the process. It's why Yoda sits on my desk. He was the it. ultimate guide, you know, yeah. Yoda and Obi-Wan. Um, and it's my job is to put you in a position so that when that spotlight comes on, mm-hmm. you can walk into it and I can fade off into the sunset. Yep. That's and all you have to, to do. do is think about me and I'll show up again. Yep. I mean, I don't want to work 17 hours a day for the rest of my life. I would love to be able to, I say it every day in the office. I'm like, Hey guys, one day I'm going to be hanging out and just texting you guys. And you're not going to see me here because I'd rather give you opportunities. And if you guys grow and you guys support our brand values and you know, I can trust you to do the right thing. You're going to make more money. I'm going to make more money. And I don't necessarily need to watch over you. I want to set you up for a platform to success. And that's something I love about Gary. It might not even be about the money. You might be able to create more opportunities to do more of the things that, you know, wealth is not defined by how much cash you got in the bank. It's it's how you live Mm -hmm. with what you have. Yep. Um, and I, I don't want to define your words for you, but I, I kind of heard that earlier. No. So defining wealth isn't necessarily always about the money, but shit, oh, it's, yeah. it's good to know at the end of the month, your bills Absolutely. are all going to get paid. You don't have to worry about working another 40 Absolutely. hours. Absolutely. But I have um, some friends that make less income than me. And I'm like, man, sometimes I would just love to have your life because you guys have a really good quality of yeah. life of going to work, coming home, being happy. But I'm like, for me, I'm just not designed that way. You know, I'm never satisfied. I don't know if I'll ever will be. They have a different definition to their own balance. Exactly. And I'm never what, satisfied, yeah. always looking for fulfillment. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's the beauty of entrepreneur. Be, truly being an entrepreneur is that we've got a different drive. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's one of the things that originally made me resonate with Gary was it's not about buying the New York Jets. It's about the road to getting there yep. and the lessons and experiences that you have along the way. And it, it's why I reevaluate my own goals. When I mm-hmm. see myself growing and the st- state of my companies grow, my company and companies yeah. growing is that I don't ever want to achieve our goals. I just want to keep re my goal is to always be able to keep reaching for the goal, yeah. whatever that may be. Yeah. And putting it further and further out there. And I, I think that's what, where the stoic stuff comes in very yeah. handy and being open-minded comes in handy and being, being charitable and a give in, in, in not just in the sense of giving money away, but mm-hmm. being charitable with who you are and understanding who you are. And I, I truly respect who you are and what you do because a, we have a lot in common. So it validates me for myself, my, for my own, my own ego's sake, which we talked about Absolutely. as a negative earlier, but um, to, to see that there are people out there who go through what you do. And I think ultimately that's why we started the podcast was to say, Hey, there are other people like you out there. Yep. Listen and let us help you be part of this. And help us. And it's not just about me saying, let me help you. I'm not the, the be all end all. I'm just a mm-hmm. guy who happened to have 1500 bucks to buy podcast equipment <laughs> one day. And I said, okay, now, but now through the joy of technology, we can put it out there. Yeah. And it's great. So, I love the name too. It, it, it took a tremendous amount of thought, but none at all, if that yeah. makes any sense. Oh no, it makes a lot of sense and, because we did zero thought and then realized we needed to readjust our messaging yeah. and scratched our first one. So it was very much, um, designed to be extremely broad in general, Mm -hmm. but we could be insanely targeted and specific with our message. So, you know, I've had 
I've had real estate agents and mortgage brokers and authors and uh, entrepreneurs who have owned uh, GPS installation companies and Mm -hmm. marketing companies, uh, an HR company, among other things. Yeah. You know, I've been in the restaurant, I've been in the restaurant business. I've been in a real estate business. I've, I've invested in tech companies and cosmetics companies, had huge losses. I've had massive successes. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything balances out. I'm still moving forward, not complaining one bit, but I don't ever want to come across as being a guy who's bragging about it. Yeah. Uh, but learning from, you know, I had a guy here who wrote a book about uh, on addiction and made it very clear. Addiction is not just drugs and alcohol. Yeah, it's no, not state at all. of mind. So much more to it. This guy I went to high school with, and I never put it together like that. Yeah. Um, and I had my 10 year old daughter here. And I, th- I think eventually we got to play that episode back. I got to sit down and listen to it. And I think we got to publish that one because it was, it was fun having her. She was our Guinea pig. We brought her in just to mm-hmm. practice the technology, but there were, I think there were some lines in there that I need to hear more often for my own sake. So yeah. And it only is going to get you closer to your audience. They'll know, like, and trust you even more. Well, and, and that's what it is, is that that's a big part of what I do here yeah. is, 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 um, you know, I, I'm try to be a little cautious with my choice of words, mm-hmm. but most people who know me know that the four letter words tend to fall out of my mouth a little yep. too often. But I, th- I think about when I sit down here, I, I think about all right, my mom gets it and she's got a foul mouth half the time, but my mother-in-law gets it as well. And she does not like that at all. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I want to respect mom. And, I'm, and I think about my dad and saying he'd probably tell me not to do on. it. One of the top radio advisors I know, he does a lot of segments with his daughter because yeah. it humanizes him to his audience. It lets you get more personal. Yep. And then people really start to identify with you and the relationship you have with your daughter. And then they enjoy the podcast as well. I haven't mentioned it to anybody yet, but my, my older daughter who's 25 lives outside of Chicago. She's coming in for the weekend. I mentioned mm-hmm. we're doing, we're doing the walk and the, and the fundraiser on Sunday. Uh, and she's coming into the office on Sunday. And I think we, we sit her down for 30 minutes and we put the headphones on and I, I just kind of have at it with her just to talk about her experience since she graduated college and what she's doing with herself. And mm-hmm. I, I think it would be a good experience for her. Uh, and like you said, it, it I'm not doing it for the purpose of humanizing me, but that is definitely yeah, a byproduct like, of it. But I think it would be, know, it like, would be good you. for her to, to come out of her shell and be comfortable. And I think it would be good for me to hear it being that I'm kind of her boss. You know, she works for me. Yeah. She does digital media for me on the back end. That's awesome. Uh, and manages my Facebook stuff and a little database things. So I, I think, I think Monday when Paige is here, I think we won't tell her. We'll just sit her down yeah. and say, sit down, let's go. Paige uh, is coming on. Yeah. Uh, Michael, listen, we're, we're up against, up against time right now. I want to thank you. A, I want to thank you so much for coming in and doing this. Uh, but before we wrap, is there anything we can do for you? Who do you have messages for? Where can we, where can we share? What's that message? Yeah. What can we do to bring you some value? Uh, you could always just follow me on my Instagram, Michael underscore Convery, but uh, I want to provide value to everybody else right now. So my goal is to bring value to everybody else. So hopefully if some people decide to follow me along the way, they'll learn something, be it in marketing mindset or other things I'm starting to share. But uh, I just wanted to come on and see what we could do and bring you as much value as I could. So I hope I did that. It was an honor and a pleasure. I appreciate it. I apologize that it's not 15, 20 degrees warmer out here, but that's what happens. I'm a little cold right yeah, now. That's what that's what happens in the Northeast when you're sitting down late, late October. Um, have a great trip. Thank you so much for coming. We will put a couple posts up when we do publish this. We'll put a few more up in the in the meantime. If there's anything you or your audience needs from us, you know how to find us. Yep. We appreciate you coming out here, bringing a lot of insight in so many different ways. I think we went in a lot of different directions than I originally Absolutely. anticipated. And I appreciate you being open and kind of playing all out. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend from South Florida, Michael Convery. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day.